save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. As always, I do appreciate you being here. And I uh, appreciate your feedback, emails, and all that good stuff. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Well, here we are. First part of February. Getting ready for the spring. I think we had two days in a row where the temperature was right around or maybe just over 70 um, my bees are no longer here, so I don't know what they're up to, but I'm assuming they were having a good time and getting out and getting some fresh air. So that's good for them. So today we are going to talk about some of the challenges and considerations of the suburban beekeeper. Um, I, you know, I mentioned before that this topic was, uh, was Josh's idea. So if you don't like it, we can blame him. I'll get you his contact info. No, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that to Josh, but, um, but yeah, we're probably going to end up breaking this into two episodes. I kind of kind of see how it goes once we get rolling along. But as I kind of went through and started doing some research to make sure I was providing some up-to-date, relevant, and accurate content, my list of notes kept growing and growing. I think right now I have about three to four times as many notes as I typically do for an episode. So um, we're going to just run with it and see what happens. And uh you know, like I said, if we break into two episodes, and that's what we'll do. So we're going to go with a couple of different topics here today. We've got local laws and ordinances, neighbors, hive placement, pesticides and herbicides, and forage. And wait, ding, ding, ding. I actually have a bonus topic at the end. It was something I added at the last minute, but I think it's going to be really good. So we do have one extra one. So without further ado, we will jump right in here and start talking about local laws and ordinances. So I was doing some research on uh, Virginia law with regard to beekeeping, you know, so I could, again, you know, share some examples and things that, that would be relevant. I actually found out quite a bit more information than I expected. And because of that, I'm going to do a complete episode on that topic probably after the next one. So this should be episode 24, 
I have episode 25 kind of already teed up, so it should be episode 26. I will definitely give you a disclaimer because I may be griping or complaining a little bit in that one. So I'll put a disclaimer in the notes of that podcast. So if you don't like to hear griping or complaining, you can just skip that one altogether because I'm a little bit torqued about a couple of things. But that being said, I think local laws and ordinances could very well be the most important aspect of whether or not you decide to, to move forward with beekeeping in a suburban setting. This is just something you can't get around. I mean, and, and I'm not, I mean, I generally, if you, if you know me, I do kind of pick on the government a lot, but this is just something you, know, you can't get around, right? It's one of those situations where sometimes the government is damned if they do and damned if they don't, right? If you don't have any rules in place for something, you just kind of let it go. You're going to have somebody who has like a 5,000 square foot yard with 400 beehives in it. And that's the one person who ruins it for everyone else, right? So the government then has to step in and put rules in place because one person doesn't want to be sensible about what they're doing. Well, then the government does the best they can, right? They don't always have the most knowledgeable people. I think as it relates to beekeeping in Virginia, there's a lot of really sharp, right, bright people that they can lean on to get the information they need. And, and that information is generally very accurate. So the people that I know within the state are, are you know, good, hardworking, knowledgeable, sharp, you know, all that good stuff. But again, they're, they're, you know, it's a double-edged sword for them because they want to enact legislation and rules and ordinances to protect people, but yet also not alienate people's rights. So it's always a, a balancing act on that side of things. But the reality is that if they don't like what you're doing, then they will definitely use your tax dollars against you and they can always outspend you. So if beekeeping is against the rules where you are, then your only option really is going to be you're either not going to do it or you have to take on that burden of educating your local board of supervisors or whatever that governing body is that imposed this restriction. You know, nowadays, most localities are starting to get, you know, really good. They're getting on board with the importance of protecting the pollinators. They're recognizing, you know, the value to it as a whole. Um, you know, do individual hobbyist beekeepers at their house make a big difference keeping bees in a suburban setting? You know, that's probably debatable. I mean, I think we need a lot of the pollinators where the food is. And I don't know that we have a lot of food in the suburban settings. But whole separate topic of discussion or debate. But like I said, most municipalities and local governments are getting on board with people keeping bees. And they're understanding that a lot of people want to do it. So, you know, work with them. Try to educate them. Try to figure out what they're concerned about. Maybe even talk to someone who is an expert or a specialist in that field and see if they'll come in. Or, or submit something on your behalf to help support your position. It may be worth considering you know, reaching out to another area that has sound you know, rules in place and trying to kind of gather some of their information that you can share with your local government. I spoke to someone local the other day who was getting ready to start beekeeping for the first time, and they threw out a bunch of rules they were reading from somewhere and I didn't ask them what the source on that was, but I'll probably do a follow-up on that one. Like I said, I'm going to dedicate a whole section to that discussion. But some of the things they were reading were things I had not heard of before that I don't exactly understand. And, and the guy you know, told me that they definitely are applicable here where we live. So I got to figure out the source on that one and see what we can do to get a better understanding on that one. All right. So the next area I want to talk about is your neighbors. Now, this can be very interesting. I, you know, I'm a big fan of people being able to do you know, what they want to do on their property, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's legal, they're not hurting anyone else. Um, they're not being disruptive to others. You know, I'm not really a big fan if my next door neighbor decides he's going to start a pyrotechnics business and he's going to start blowing up fireworks every weekend, right? That, that 
probably wouldn't make me happy as a neighbor. But, you know, in general, if you're playing by the rules, you know, you're never going to hear from me. But that being said, when you're considering beekeeping in the suburban setting, you should have some sense of obligation to at least have a little bit of dialogue with your neighbors. Now, there are two big reasons, in my opinion, that you need to engage your neighbors before taking this on. So number one, right or wrong, some people are scared to death of bees, right? Now, in their defense, there are a lot of nasty flying insects and biting insects out there that are pretty merciless. And most people will generally call anything that stings them a bee, right? It doesn't matter if it was a wasp, yellow jacket, hornet, doesn't matter. They got stung by a bee. So the honeybee kind of takes a bad rap for all the other stinging insects. And hey, we all know that being stung pretty much sucks. I mean, it hurts. And uh, so it, it's natural to have a fear of being stung. It's natural to not want to get stung. And, you know, the people, they don't know. They're not beekeepers, right? So this is, again, where you're going to have to step up and educate. You know, maybe show them some pictures of you interacting with some bees somewhere or uh, a video, or you can send them a link. It depends on the, the relationship you have with your neighbors. If you've got a good relationship with them, it makes it a lot easier than scenarios where, where you maybe don't get along well with your neighbors. Now, I'm sure there are probably some areas in the country where they've created a rule that says to keep bees on your property, you must come down to the local municipal center and get a bee permit, which must be signed by both of your neighbors or something like that. That wouldn't surprise me at all, right? If it's a requirement, you do what you got to do. Now, you know, if you're dealing with a neighbor who is being a pain in the butt for whatever reason, and I don't mean somebody who just says, no, I'm scared to death. That's not being a pain in the butt. That's just being human. That's perfectly normal. But I mean, somebody who's just being spiteful or whatever. Yeah, that's just going to have to be your call as to how you want to handle that. I mean, if you don't care about alienating that that relationship, then, you know, maybe you just do whatever you want to do. Maybe maybe you talk to them and you go, well, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still going to do it anyway. I mean, that's, again, everybody's wired differently. So you got to do what you feel comfortable with. The The second reason, though, that I think you really need to speak with your neighbors, and this one's kind of important, is that there are a lot of people in the world who are allergic to honeybees. You know, yes, whether you're keeping bees or not, you know, bees are still going to fly through your neighbor's yard and, you know, they could still get stung. But the probability of them having some kind of an encounter with honeybees is, is certainly going to go up if you're keeping bees right next door to them. Uh, when, you know, when I first moved into this house where I live now, uh, I had a few colonies and I have a neighbor next door that has a pool. Now I know that my bees need to drink water. And, you know, when I first started beekeeping, I had this little idea like, oh, I'm going to put out this little container and it's going to have fresh, clean water and I'll change it every day to make sure mosquitoes don't lay eggs in there and stuff. And I would never see bees drinking water out of this nice little happy bee water container that I put together. But I would always see them like drinking out of a puddle or there'd be like a little area off the side of the driveway where there's a little bit, little you know, like a mud puddle, and they'd be in there just climbing around the mud, drinking the water. And I'm like, I never understood. They'll drink the nasty water from the mud in the driveway, but they won't drink the fresh water that I put in the thing. So anyway, my neighbor, he came over and he says, "Hey, look, you know your your bees are kind of they're in the in the pool a lot. A lot of them are drowning, you know." And I, I said, "Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I, you know, I really I wish there was something I could do. I, they you know they go for the water and." And he was really nice. You know, he says, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I like bees and, and everything, but I just feel bad because a lot of them are drowning. And, you know, I told him, I said, yeah, you know, you're going to lose probably 150 or 200 a day to one thing or another, whether it's, you know, bees, spiders, old age, um, getting lost, whatever might happen. So he came back about two days later. 
he had this old, like a chlorine tablet kind of container, the little bucket. He had cleaned it out thoroughly, got rid of any of the old, you know, um, chlorine residue or whatever. And then he took a block of wood. He drilled a bunch of holes in it. And it was this floating block of wood. He put water in it and he brought it over. And he was like, hey, I got this thing for your bees to drink. And it was really, it was a kind gesture. And I told him, I said, well, I'll put it over here and we'll see what they do. Um, you know, I, I kind of forewarned him like, look, bees are weird. They'll they'll drink the nastiest water in the, from the weirdest places. But I'll put it here. And sure enough, I put it out there by the colony. I think I had five colonies in that space. I saw bees on it one time. They, they But they would still go mess with this pool. So... Uh, anyway, I ended up moving the bees away from that part of the property. I think it was the next year, and uh, he and I really don't talk. I mean, it's nothing personal. We just he's doing his thing, I'm doing mine. So hopefully they weren't giving him too much of a hard time. But I thought it was kind of a cool, you know, gesture from him to to kind of try to make some accommodations for the bees there. That was pretty cool. But again, with the with the allergen thing, I mean, you know, you can be doing everything right. You can just be walking around on your back patio barefooted. A honeybee's there. You know, getting drinking water from you know a small puddle or an imperfection in the you know in the concrete somewhere, and you step on them, and they're going to sting you in the foot. I mean, that's it's going to happen. And again, could they get stung by a bee without your colony being there? Absolutely. If they did get stung, could they prove that it was one of your bees? Probably not. But it's just one of those things. You don't want to give somebody a reason to be upset with you, or to give you a hard time, or to take you to court, or whatever might happen. So. You know, again, you got to make a judgment call on that one and do what you think is right. Um, you know, plus, God, you know, you don't have to get along with your neighbors, but it really makes life easier. You know, you don't want to be giving them the stink eye every time you drive past them and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure you'll make the right call. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. All right, so the next thing we're going to talk about is placement. So I would say, number one, property lines are probably not going to be the best place to put your bees. I mean, the first thing is, you know, you put it right up against the line. I mean, I guess technically it's not a structure. So you wouldn't be dealing with maybe like property right of ways and things like that. But, you know, you, you don't want to draw attention. You don't want to do anything that's going to incite anyone to be upset or angry or anything. So in general, I would say that you should look for a place in your yard where they're out of sight. You know, preferably obstructed by bushes, trees, you know, a garden. Or even that antique vehicle that you only drive twice a year, right? You know, just put it back there behind that if you can. But, you know, one way you can make them less likely to kind of be spotted is to paint them in the same color as their surroundings. So if you're putting, you know, a, uh, a colony over near, let's say, a white garden shed, then, you know, paint the high bodies white. Or if you're going up against some, you know, evergreen bushes, go ahead and paint them green or brown or whatever color matches that area. I mean, that's one way you can kind of help them blend in a little bit. Um, now, I personally, I have zero painting abilities, so I just, you know, I take the electric sprayer, my little Wagner power painter thing, I paint 50 hives in like 10 minutes. But, you know, if you're a good painter and you want to show off your skills, you know, paint some cool stuff, you know, put put leaves and grass and draw flowers and make them look nice and pretty so they just look like a, you know, an ornamental type thing in the yard and, uh, you know, that'd be cool. Now, I would say if you had, a, you know, a whole lot of hives in that small space, you know, try to mix it up, make the colors a little bit different or make something about them unique in their color to kind of help them stand out. So it can make it a little bit easier for the bees to find their way back home. But again, if you're only dealing with two, three, four hives, they're going to figure it out. I've, I've had some very, very close packed in together and have not had an issue. In general, I would probably say to avoid putting colonies in the front yard. And, and again, you may have a layout or you may have a hedgerow or something that blocks the view and the visibility from the road or from some of your neighbors. So maybe the front yard might be a great fit for you and that's fine. I'm not, not saying you, you can't. You just need to kind of think about a few things. So for example, my house is about I don't know, 200 feet or so from the road. I have a circular driveway. I had two double stack nukes right in the middle. And I thought it was really cool because whenever I came home, I could pull up, park, you know, look at them on the way in. It was just nice to have them right there. And I was so far from the road that, you know, nobody cared or whatever. But I did have a couple of like Amazon drivers and delivery people that would only go so far and they would <laughs> drop stuff in the middle of the driveway because they're like, yeah, I'm not going any further. And I tried to tell them like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. But, you know, I tried, I said that once or twice. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to tell them that it's fine. And then one of them is going to get stung and they're going to be allergic. And they're going to say, he told me it was fine, and then I'm going to get sued. So I'm like, you know, let, let me just move them. So I had them there for a full season. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool, but they did relocate. So, you know, front yard, probably not going to be the best. Okay, so next on the list, we're going to cover pesticides and herbicides. 
So a lot of what people are using around the house to kill mosquitoes and other bugs are, are also going to kill honeybees. Now, I'm going to read a couple things here from some websites for some information that I pulled off that I think is useful. I hate to just read things to you, but it'll save you the trip of going to the website. All the information is on these sites that I'm going to reference. You can go back and double check it. But uh, this first one here is from Mosquito Joe's. Now, if you're not familiar with Mosquito Joe's, uh, places like that, they, you know, they come out to your yard, they spray a bunch of, you know, pesticides around all your bushes and around the ground, and it's supposed to kill off all the areas where mosquitoes breed and have a nice, happy spring and summer because there's no mosquitoes there. Now, it could have been a coincidence. I don't know for sure. There was one year where my neighbors did get Mosquito Joe's or, or a comparable kind of company, and I lost a couple of bees within about a week and a half or two, I think it was. It's been a few years. I think it was like within two weeks I lost a couple of hives. So it, it could be completely unrelated, but I'm still not 100% convinced. So from the Mosquito Joe website, we take pollinator protection seriously. Our certified technicians are all trained on our Mosquito Joe pollinator protection management program, which incorporates three key focus areas, deep familiarity with the customer's property, professional application procedures, and the type of products we use. While pesticides are a potential factor to the pollinators, the concern is largely with neonicotinoids, a family of pesticides, which we do not, sorry, I just, that's too much for me. A family of pesticides, which we do not use. In addition, if requested by the customer to spray flowering plants and shrubs, plants and shrubs on the verge of flowering or vegetable gardens, we have a product that is suitable for this purpose and we closely follow the manufacturer's application instructions on the product label. We use a different selected product when treating beekeepers' properties, applied in strict adherence to EPA-registered label, and work with beekeeper customers on scheduling services for the optimum time. Now, notice they say they work with beekeeper customers on scheduling services for the optimum time, not beekeeper customers who are neighbors of your customer, right? So the Mosquito Joe guys, if they don't know that you, your next-door neighbor has bees, they're not going to be working very closely with you. So keep that in mind. But again, right, they're clearly doing something to try and address this and acknowledge that they're taking action, which is cool. I found another pest company, comparable kind of entity to these guys at Mosquito Joe's. They say this, we use a product that's regulated by the EPA. It is formulated in such a way that it is used on property and is not detrimental to pollinators if it's used the way the label says to use it. Okay. I've got another one here, and this is from GardenCollege.com that I wanted to, wanted to read to you. It's a great little article on some natural approaches to pesticides and herbicides. Many popular insecticides and weed killers are labeled as non-toxic and biodegradable, but recent science has shown otherwise. Monsanto's popular glyphosate-based herbicide, Roundup, for instance, has proven to suffocate human cells and has been linked to an array of health problems like cancer, autism, heart disease, and depression. Not only do these toxic chemicals affect human health, but they have also been proven to be a major cause of colony collapse disorder, the phenomenon that occurs when honeybees die off at record rates. Studies have shown that when a bee lands on a flower treated with many popular and much advertised pesticides, they attack the bee's central nervous system, disorienting it and damaging its thinking and memory. Bees poisoned by pesticides will struggle and often fail to find their way back to the hive, and thus the colony collapses. Now, that's a little bit different from what colony collapse really would truly be defined as, but we can come back and discuss that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll, we'll cover that one later on because that's a whole big topic in and of itself. Okay, still on this uh, on their website. 
Given that bees are our main pollinator, it doesn't make sense to use pesticides that have been proven to kill them, especially when they are, there are alternatives that are safe and easy to use and cost-effective. So it provides a short list here. It has neem oil, N-E-E-M oil, vinegar, Epsom salt, chrysanthemum. They basically say planting these in a garden is a natural pest repellent, and it can be made into a tea and sprayed onto the leaves of plants. They also list pepper, garlic, and onion, and lastly on this list, they have Castile soap. So here's a couple things that they've listed out as some natural things I have not used, tried, or anything with any of them, but just throwing it out there. So as you can see from this list, again, it's a small sample of some of the options that are available for kind of a more natural way of doing things. You know, unfortunately, all of your efforts and all the things you do in your yard are going to make very little difference when your neighbors are spraying all the toxic stuff, right? And I, And again, I'm not... I'm not trying to pick on my neighbors or anyone else's. You know, people, they just do what they're used to doing, right? They don't see any reason why they shouldn't walk outside and just spray the regular pesticides. If they know that you're keeping bees, if you've had that discussion with them, you've had that dialogue, and you're on the same page, that's a great opportunity to say, oh, hey, and by the way, if you're thinking about spraying some pesticides and things, can I make some suggestions as to some things that might be more bee-friendly and environmentally friendly at the same time? So just a couple of things to think about there. Okay, the next on the list here, now this is, again, it's kind of a fun topic to debate among beekeepers, but it's, uh, it's forage. Now, as long as I've been keeping bees, I've, I've heard, you know, different numbers on how far from a high that a bee will forage. Five miles has been kind of like the up to number, you know, up to five miles, and I've heard that for years. Uh, I've heard, uh, I heard a guy say something not long ago, it's about a year ago, I'm like, oh yeah, they go seven or eight miles. That one I haven't heard. I've heard up to five. I've heard typically they're usually within a mile, maybe as far as two or three. So essentially what, what they're going to do is they're going to go as far as they have to do to find what they what they need and what they like. And, you know, generally within, let's say, a three to five mile radius. One thing to think about, though, is, you know, in the wild, as a bee colony runs out of space and swarms in the spring, the swarm hive will expand. And, and over the years, they will continue to expand further and further kind of out from where they started. Now, of course, this is speaking from the standpoint of an ideal world, right? Free from varroa and pesticides and other things. Now, you may have brought a nuke or some package bees, you know, into an area where bees usually don't do well. So if that's the case, they're going to need some help from you in the form of sugar syrup, you know, synthetic pollen, um, you know, maybe pollen patties if you use those or, or, you know, whatever you decide is going to work for you, you may need to do more. Uh, An example of a, a, you know, a bad bee location, I think, my neighborhood is a prime example of a poor location for honeybees. I'm on a peninsula and a river, and then around that whole area are these tidal canals. In addition to that, you have to consider um, roads and driveways, houses, sheds, parking areas, um, you know, piers and docks. And, you know, so this is all area and space that in a rural area would have you know, grasses and fields and flowers, you know, wildflowers and trees and different things that are going to create a good natural forage for the bees. Now, one thing that absolutely drives me nuts is that my front yard, you know, I've got a a pretty sizable front yard and I have these beautiful natural wildflowers that grow there every spring. And I would love to just leave my yard alone, just not even cut my front yard for maybe... I don't know, like two months in the spring, maybe get me to like end of May or June because these flowers that come up are absolutely beautiful. But there's an ordinance where I live 
that your grass can't be higher than 10 inches or the code enforcement people will come around and give you a citation. And I've looked this up before. I don't remember off the top of my head, but like they give you a citation. And then if you don't cut your grass, they'll give you another one and they can fine you. And then they can pay somebody to cut your grass for you and give you the bill. And it's just a mess. So you can't, so that's another example too, right? This space that would normally be a thriving field of wildflowers, you know, has to be cut because that's the law. But, you know, if you want to have wildflowers in your front yard, you probably have to move to the country. Okay, so those are all the main topics I had, but I do have a bonus one because I think that this is really important and uh, definitely not something you want to overlook here. So as we've discussed many times before, and I just mentioned a few minutes ago, swarming is a natural process that we as beekeepers do our best to control and kind of regulate, right? We, we try to recognize when there's a potential for swarming conditions, You know, if we want to split our hives or create new hives, that's a great opportunity to do so. If we don't, we have to take immediate action. We have to provide more space. We have to manage queen cells and all kinds of different things, swarm cells. So when swarms happen in the wild or in a rural area, it's generally not a big deal, right? They go, they swarm, they end up on a branch somewhere, you know, two, three days later, whatever it might be, they're gone, right? They found a new home and they're gone. However, when that happens in a busy, highly populated neighborhood, it can cause a bit of a panic. Um, you know, most people don't understand that bees generally only exhibit defensive behavior when they're defending the hive, when they're defending the rest of that colony. When they're in a swarm, they're mostly just waiting on scout bees to kind of come back and tell them what the new location should be and whatever the agreed upon, you know, relocation area is going to be for them to establish their new, uh, their new home. But like I said, the average non-bee person, you know, could get a bit panicked if they, you know, walk outside and there's a big, huge swarm hanging off a branch or maybe it's on the side of their house or in the, you know, under the soffits at their home or, or something like that. So, um, you know, again, this the, the non-bee person could definitely get a bit panicked and bring some, some unwanted attention to your beekeeping hobby. Uh, I mean, they might call the fire department, the police. You never know who they're going to call. So, you know, do your best to keep swarms in check and always, you know, keep an eye out for swarm cells in the spring and try to prevent swarming from happening. So just a couple of last quick kind of almost administrative or interesting different kind of things. Uh, I mentioned in a podcast a while back that in Virginia, they have the program that allows you to get free, you know, beekeeping hardware. So some hive bodies, frames, things you need to stand up, you know, a new, uh, a new colony and a new hive. I've heard of it. I've talked about it. I have provided people with the links to it before and have never really had any kind of a follow-up. I did meet a young lady the other day at a local pharmacy, and her and I were talking about beekeeping. She was telling me how she submitted for this program. She's got three colonies in, and she's all excited to start keeping bees this spring. So the program is there. It is working. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, I'm going to try and see if I can kind of give her a hand. But I've also, after many years of being a member of the local bee club and being a six-time nominee for worst member ever for not being involved at all. Like, I mean, I literally, like, I pay my dues every year, and I don't I do not do anything. I feel kind of bad about it. But there was an email that went around where they're looking for some mentors. So I, uh, I did volunteer for that, and I have a couple of mentees assigned to me. So I'm really excited about that because, you know, in this field, you're always learning. You're always growing. And there are times when certain parts of what you do become stagnant. You just, you don't do everything every day necessarily. 
and a new beekeeper is going to give you that fresh perspective and remind you about some of those things that you have maybe forgotten about because you just haven't done those things or it hasn't been a concern to you in so long or you're sometimes you're on autopilot you know you're just doing the same thing over and over again you don't even think about certain things so you have to kind of step back and almost relearn a little bit of it yourself so that's some things that I like about having that opportunity to be a be a mentor so I'm really excited about that so we'll definitely keep you in the loop as to how all of that shakes out as the uh, spring season kind of progresses here. So I was able to, I trimmed out a lot of content here. I really, I really felt like this was going to be pushed out to a second episode because there are probably about, you know, five to 10 minutes that I could talk about in each of these sections here. But I, a lot of this stuff is very readily available information that can be, you know, quickly researched or found. If you have a question, though, if you want me to dive deeper on something or you feel like I, I missed something, you know, shoot me a note, let me know. And, uh, you know, we'll try and do a go back and we'll, we'll follow up on it here. But next week we are going to do a uh, discussion on all the things you should be doing right now. So what should you be doing here now, you know, February, March, April, getting everything ready for the spring and some of those common tasks that need to be done in uh, making sure you're prepared for either, you know, year number two, if you're a second year beekeeper, or if you're just starting out and you've kind of listened to episodes one through 23 and you just finished up 24 here and you're ready to get rolling, just some of the things you want to be thinking about going into that next year. And this is going to be something you need to do every year. So you can always come back and listen to it again later. So folks, I feel like that's probably about it right now. As always, feel free to reach out Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com if you have any questions. And, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, I did, uh, as you probably noticed, I did get rid of the Starsky and Hutch intro. I'm a big fan of it. I just like it. It has that kind of 70s disco kind of like classic funny, <laughs> funny thing. So I was kind of digging on it, but I don't know. It's a little goofy. So I went back to the standard basic whatever cookie cutter one but i'll try and find something cool for the next episode something that's a little bit more fun and i don't know we'll see what we can come up with but anyway uh that's gonna do it for us for this week here be kind to one another have fun don't do anything i would do and uh remember don't believe everything you hear on social media take care Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.